Welcome to the Bridges family. Great to have you here this morning. Um, really, it's a pleasure if you're a guest with us or haven't been here for a while. We want to say how grateful we are that you're here. And isn't it good to worship the Lord on this good day, Resurrection Sunday, that we celebrate? I know that you could well have come, like most people do, with questions and reservations and doubts and maybe even resistance against God. And it's not like God is not big enough to know that. Or to understand it. He's not surprised by any of that. And I just want to say that there's one singular thing that's most important. That exceeds and plows through reservations and doubts. It's the one thing that changes things. It's the singular person, the singular act, the singular thing in human history where all of history pivots. And it's the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's that one thing, that singular thing that matters more than any other thing in my life, in your life, in history. Because it does actually change everything. If you have your Bible, I would love you to turn it open to Mark chapter 16. If you are unfamiliar with the Bible, there's lots of people here that are in that boat, so don't sweat it. We provided some right in front of you. The book of Mark is the second account in the New Testament of the life of Jesus. And chapter 16 is the very end of the book of Mark. And if you're wrestling with how to do it, it, a lot of times it's easier just to pull out your phone with your Bible app, and just go mark so you don't have to feel odd about not knowing where a particular place the Bible is or whatever electronic media you might have brought, and look open to the book of Mark. Somehow, we've domesticated one of the wildest, most astonishing things in human history. Like taking a wild Siberian tiger and taming it for a circus, though it's not ever fully tamed. It's this story, this account. Perhaps you've heard it a lot. And perhaps you've somehow thought that this is a a tame story, a story that doesn't astonish. But at the end of the account in Mark chapter 16, we're left with people that are breathless, that are overwhelmed with thanks. And that was, I believe, intended by God. Mark's account is unique on several levels, and one of those levels is that at the very end, many of your Bibles have Mark 9 and following, but in the original manuscripts, um, those accounts, that last, those last few verses are missing. So we're left to wonder whether Mark actually wrote them or he stopped his account in verse 8, after verse 8. So we're just going to take the first eight verses and think about something that is so inconceivable and out of the box that it left people overwhelmed and speechless and reeling, and rightly so. Because what could step into your greatest disappointment 
and turn raw grief in an instant on its head? What could change everything? How could our self-imposed limiting of God and his plan for us transform everything into real hope? On Saturday, a group of people, they were overwhelmed with the cruelty, the horrors of the crucifixion. And they were wondering, was there any hope for them? If the one person who really seemed to get love and compassion be swallowed up, if he could be swallowed up in a wave of viciousness and hatred, what did that mean for their future? It must have felt like everything was sucked out of them, like the lifeblood itself was sucked out of them, and there was no hope for transfusion. Would it have been better to never have met him and loved him than to have lost him like they did. What would that fearful, deeply disappointed group of followers of Jesus see or fail to see? They failed to see in the moment that God is the most astonishing mystery writer that ever has existed. He loves to take us to the precipice And then, step. He loves to take us to that place of wonder. And how does the God who loves and loves to surprise reveal the greatest mystery ever known? That's the question we're going to wrestle with this morning. Mark 16, starting in verse 1. When the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene, Mary, the mother of James, and Salome brought spices so they might go and anoint him. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. And they were saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance of the tomb? And looking up, they saw that the stone had been rolled back. It was very large. And entering the tomb, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, dressed in a white robe, and they were alarmed. And he said to them, do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He's risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. But go... Tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee, and there you will see him just as he told you. And they went out and fled from the tomb, for trembling and astonishment had seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Actually, I really love Mark's account. It's a unique account. The other writers fill in the detail. Sometime this week, read Luke chapter 24. You'll get the details there. But Mark leaves us with this uncovered mystery, and he leaves us with a cliffhanger, wrestling with whether or not the women at the tomb would actually follow through with what they were told to do, and actually sticking us into the account. 
what would you do? What would you do if you were in their sandals? That's what Mark wants you to feel, to sense, what the gospel is helping us wrestle with. Could these women wrap their minds and hearts around what God had just done? Could you? He's calling out a response from the reader. What are you going to do right now with the news that Jesus is exactly who he said he is? And he did exactly what he prophesied he would do. That he would die for you and your sin and death's grip on you. And he would rise from the dead. One of the the central themes of Mark's gospel, his account, is the genuine struggles of disciples to believe. The genuine struggle. Can we be honest enough on a Sunday morning? Hopefully we can. Here of all places. Hopefully Bridges is a place where you can be honest with your spiritual journey and wrestling and struggling. That we all struggle with trust. Trusting Jesus didn't come easy for the disciples, and it rarely does for us. And it wasn't that Jesus wasn't fully trustworthy, right? They had learned that over and over and over again. And yet, they still struggled to trust his word. He had proven himself not just once or twice, but through a lifetime. And he would prove himself through the long course of history. And yet, they struggled. They trust I struggle with trust just like you and I do. See, it's not about the nature or character of God, this trust thing. It's about the person who looks at us in the mirror, right? That's where our issue of trust is. It's our own self that struggles with trust. Just like the disciples, we've got these trust issues. For them, other people had disappointed them. They had seen their own fickleness and struggle and projected those flaws onto Jesus. They struggled with fully letting go of the false crutches that they had and really actually leaning into him. And even though day after day they experienced these remarkable things happening in them, they still struggle with their own selfishness, their desire to do other things, things they wanted to do as opposed to his priorities for them. They struggled to trust him, and they were wrestling in the moment. And now this, a savior, their savior was killed by the jealousy and violence of an unthinking and vindictive crowd. The unfathomably deep depression that they felt on Saturday laid them low. And now it was Sunday. It was Sunday. And they stepped into this encounter at this tomb with someone that God had sent for them, for their doubts, their struggles. And the words rang in their ears and threatened to evoke this dangerous hope that they had let go of. He's risen. He's not here. Here at the end of Mark's gospel, he wants you to join into this story. And he's asking, would you be a doubter? Would you be a betrayer? Would you say something? Would you tell someone else or would you keep it to yourself? I can't answer that question for you. I know I wrestle with it myself. I do know that probably the best indicator of your true answer to those questions is how you actually talk to the creator of the universe. Or perhaps you don't. 
What are those conversations like that you have with God himself who loves to listen to you, who invites you into relationship, who did all this so that you might know him and enter into relationship with him? Glenn Packingham has said, selfishness is our mother tongue. Isn't that true? Tell people to pray what's in their heart and they will pray selfishly. They will ask for stuff and plead for more and raise their hands to the sky to pull down an imaginary lever of prosperity, seeking satisfaction for their insatiable souls. But stuff never satisfied an insatiable soul. It won't satisfy you. You'll continue to be insatiable. Here's the heart of the mystery. Would you dare to be different? Would you see God for who he is and what he's about and not seek to manipulate him into someone that he's not? The resurrection of Jesus is the only thing that can satisfy our seemingly insatiable souls. It's the only thing that can satisfy. The account has tucked in it that astonishing phrase, became the anthem of the early church. He's risen. And in response, they would say, you know it. Indeed. Really? Truly? The angel was telling them a mystery. Death is not what they assumed it to be. And Jesus was alive. And there's some very powerful realities that are being communicated. A God you can't explain is a God that you can contain. And a God you can contain can't be worshipped. But Jesus could not be contained. Not by Roman soldiers, not even by death itself. He would not be contained. He loved you too much. He was to be worshipped. And he was going before them. His promises were true. Yet, how could that all be? So back up just for a moment in the text. It begins this way. When the Sabbath was passed, that Sabbath was unlike any other they'd ever entered into. When they thought of the Passover, when they thought of celebrating with their family and friends gathered together, there was no celebration. They were in this secluded place. They felt lost hope and fear and remorse for their cowardice disappointment. They only heard the silence of God and they were stuck in their confusion and their discouragement and their loss of direction and it was the darkest Sabbath in history. That's where they were. Overwhelmed. Set adrift. But today was Sunday. And early in the morning, as soon as they were allowed to by the laws of the Sabbath, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, they brought spices to perfumes to anoint the body with a way of honoring and celebrating, in a sense, his life and letting go. And notice who it was. It was the women who didn't bail. It was the women who had the courage to go. It wasn't the men. They were still apparently hiding There's an interesting side note to this whole thing concerning how God acts. In that culture, it was very male-dominated, and women could not be witnesses in the court. 
And yet, here, God chooses women to be his witnesses. The first ones were women that that sought Jesus out. And so he honored them with that. And if Mark was just making things up, he wouldn't have included women as witnesses. It's a detail in the story that lends credibility to Mark's story. Mark's just recounting the facts as they happen, and the women were central to how God was going to lift them up. Somewhere along the way to the tomb, it dawned on them, who will roll away the stone from us from the entrance of the tomb? Wait a second. How are we going to get to the body of Jesus? There's a Roman cohort around the tomb. And there's this huge stone that we don't have the physical strength to move. You might think that was odd that all of a sudden after they were coming there, that they, they wouldn't have thought about it earlier. But they were so stuck in their grief. I know some of you have experienced grief like this where you're not really thinking about all the other details. And in the middle of their journey, they bring this up. It they, dawns on them that there's no way they're going to be able to get in. Their grief was overwhelming them. Again, it, it, lad, it lends credence to the story. And suddenly, as if God was teaching them this lesson about their reservations, about their own limitations and their disappointment, God steps in. Should they even try? Should they just turn around and go home? They wouldn't be able to get in. But the Spirit prompts them to go ahead as if God wanted them to discover that only he can roll stones this big away. And when they got there, they found the unexpected. There's no guards. The stone had already been moved by God. And there's this young man, this angel sent from God to give them a message. Talk about overwhelming, right? When they get to this moment, And here's the message from God. Don't be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He is risen. He's not here. See the place where they laid him. Lay aside your fears of me, of what God is doing. Lay aside your fears of the future, of the details. Johnny Erickson Tata once said, Faith isn't the ability to believe long and far into the misty future. It's simply taking God at his word and taking the next step. Isn't that good? If you know Johnny's story, you know how powerful those words are. Just to take the next step. And it was an invitation of God to these women to trust him. Would you trust me? First, there's a word for their emotions. Don't be alarmed. Don't be overwhelmed. Don't let fear keep you from God and what he wants you to experience. Isn't that strong for us? Don't be afraid of drawing near to God and what he might do to change your life and change your behavior, change your future. Don't be afraid of that. Step into it. The next was a message of affirmation. You seek Jesus That's good. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, and I'm looking for seekers. He's conquered death precisely as he said he would, and you're the eyewitnesses, the very first eyewitnesses in history to the greatest act that God has ever done. That's you. 
because you sought me. And there was proof for their intellect. Here's the evidence. It's an empty tomb. Not only that, Luke tells us one detail that his grave clothes were right there as if the body just disappeared, which it did. It was evidence for them, physical evidence for them to see, and they would be able next to see Jesus face to face. And finally, there was his plan for the future. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he's going before you to Galilee, and there you'll see him just as he told you. Jesus had told them numerous times, this is my plan. Your sin separates you from God. And because of that, I'm going to give my life. I'm going to die for you because I love you so much. And not only that, I'm going to rise on the third day. Here it is, the third day. God was willing to do a remarkable thing. And he was saying to them, ladies, I've chosen you. I have chosen you who had the boldness when you were scared and confused and couldn't see the future. I'm choosing you to pass on the message of life and forgiveness and redemption. He actually chose you. Chose you for this. And Peter. Those are good words, aren't they? It sticks out. After referring to Jesus so publicly, here God has a specific word. Don't forget Peter. He's on the outside. The disciples and Peter, who wouldn't even know what he was doing at that point, but he needed the message for them. We have all felt that. We've all felt how often we betray God. It's a word for us. We're included in this great life message We feel like God could never accept us because of what we've done in our past or he never actually want us present with him. That's a lie. God wants every person in this room in a relationship with him that's right and true and guilt-free and without shame that walks with confidence as his child. And now comes another twist in Mark's account. And they went out and fled the tomb for trembling and astonishment that seized them. And they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. Don't you love that? It's actually a really honest moment there, right, in the text. They were so overwhelmed, they just didn't say anything. The crazy news, good news of God's love for them didn't spread right in that moment. Because right in that moment, they were just overcome with astonishment of what God had done. Again, Luke 24 fills in some of the details. The gospel writers tell us about the disciples actually meeting the risen Jesus in the flesh, having food with him. Listen to Luke's words. Luke 24, starting verse 36. As they were talking about these things, Jesus himself stood among them and said, Peace to you. But they were startled and frightened. This is the disciples. And thought they saw a spirit. And he said to them, why are you troubled? And why do doubts arise in your hearts? Isn't it fascinating how God sees right into our mixed emotions, feelings? See my hands, my feet, that it is 
I myself, touch me and see, for a spirit does not have flesh and bones as you see that I have. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they still disbelieved for joy and were marveling, he said to them, have you anything to eat here? And they gave him a piece of broiled fish, and he took it and ate it before them. And then he said, These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Then he opened their mind to understand the scripture and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. Didn't you catch it that all of scripture was pointing this way? And I myself said it numerous times and you still disbelieved. You still struggled to trust. You had your issues, but here I am. And that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations, to every person, every ethnos, every background, beginning from Jerusalem. You are the witnesses of these things. This is on you. Go tell people that all people have to do is stop going their own pick and way and put on the brakes and see God for who he is, that he loves you passionately in history and proved himself, turn around, that's repentance toward God and seek his forgiveness for your brokenness, your wreckage, and just honestly come to him and embrace that love and know it, experience it. The news of the death and resurrection of Jesus is so stunning and overwhelming can keep us quiet like those ladies. But that was not the end of their story. They were fearful and astonished and uncertain in the moment. But they eventually did go to the disciples and tell them. And you know what the disciples did? They didn't believe them <laughs> until they saw the proof in front of them. The message of God to us is that we must tell others that he is risen. That he's risen. And because of that, we can shout, I am risen. I am alive. Death has no power. I'm forgiven before the God of heaven because of what he's done in his son, Jesus Christ. But I must take that one step. I want to give you a moment right now to think about this great mystery, this great text that leaves us hanging and asks us to enter into the story. What would you do? Would you actually trust him for the forgiveness, cleansing? Would you tell somebody else or not? So I'd like to give you some privacy If you would, just have a conversation with the Lord right now. Just come before you. I don't care whether you close your eyes or not, but give each other privacy and get honest before the Lord. God gives us this instruction that if we place our faith in him and not ourselves or other stuff or other people, if we place our faith in him because of what he's done, because of the cross and the resurrection, we can have new life And we can become new and have confidence, absolute confidence 
that we're his eternally. It doesn't happen unless I give my life to him. Unless I turn around and seek him. And it's really actually that simple because he's done all the work. So, if that's you, just tell him, Lord, I want to trust you. I seek your cleansing. I seek your forgiveness. Just tell him right now in your own words. And if you are a follower of his, what would you do? Would you, would you tell someone? That's the step he calls you to. Today, this week, in your conversations, to actually say it, not to keep quiet. It is astonishing, but step into this. I'm going to have the worship team come up. And as they do, I'm going to call you to a step of faith, right? So for those of you who have not had a chance to um, be here or to sign one of the boards, we have a board on this side that just is a declaration that we signed to say, I'm going to be that person in my group, in my area, in my neighborhood that says it, that tells others about the power of the resurrection of Christ. And if you would take that step, if you're a follower of Jesus and you would take that step, we'll just ask you to sign the board somewhere around where you live. So this is a representation of the general area around us. Um, If you're from out of town, like from the East Coast, and you want to just sign over there in the balcony on the wall somewhere where Boston is, that's great. Um, But if you live in the area, I'm going to ask you to just come on up and sign this. And if you are just stepping into a relationship with God today, I'm going, to ask, I'm going to ask you boldly just to come on up and have a conversation with somebody. We would love to talk and pray with you, to give you a Bible, to give you the next step that you need to take in your journey with the Lord. This is the day the Lord has made. And this day, he's risen. And he did this for you so that you might live for him. So live for him. Father, we rejoice in this great, astonishing truth that you are risen indeed. And because of this this great thing that you've done in human history, everything changes for us. I pray you bless people with courage and boldness to live for you, to walk with you, to shine for you, and to take a step right now for you. pray these things in Christ's name. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Bridges Community Church Sermon Podcast. Bridges Community Church is located in the San Francisco Bay Area in Fremont, California. To know more about Bridges Community Church, please go to our website at bridgescc.org.